This is the final word. Good evening and welcome to the award-winning and thought-provoking final word. If you're keeping score at home, this is the show that invites you right into the conversation. Let's get started by introducing you to tonight's three panelists. Please welcome the afternoon host at 105.9 The X, Mr. Mark Madden. Albie Oxenrider, today at Baltimore, <laughs> my man Juju put the Steelers on his back. 72 Dolphins, listen up. Bob Greasy, it's going to get greasy because Juju is coming for you. From our partner, DKPittsburghSports.com, who are you wearing tonight, Chris? I'm wearing a suit. I never thought I'd see this a day of my life. Go, my friend. Okay. All right. Thanks. Great to have you. And from the Trib Steelers radio host, Tim Benz. Hi, Tim. Well, that's one thing I never thought I'd see. Mark Madden in a Juju Smith-Schuster jersey. Something else I thought I'd never see is the opportunity for a four-point field goal. But I certainly felt like that might happen as the Ravens were marching down the field because if anybody can kick a four-point field goal to beat the Steelers, it's Tucker. So thankfully, the Steelers figured out a way to keep him on the sideline to wrap up that game today. All right. Thank you, Tim. Welcome as well. Some of our topics that we're talking about tonight, we're looking for five words. Where this game ranks among Steelers-Ravens rivalry games, which Steelers player has been the most clutch this season? Was the Archer trade the worst in Pittsburgh pro sports history? And after the World Series debacle, what should be the place of analytics in baseball? But first... The night's big topic. Your outlook now for the Steelers the rest of the season. Mark, start us off. Well, they're 7-0. They're going to be 10-0 because their next three games are eminently winnable. They have a two-and-a-half game lead in the AFC North because they got a two-game lead literally over the Ravens, and they got the tiebreaker. So they're looking at the bye. They're looking at an easy path in the playoffs because they've proven in the past making the playoffs ain't enough. Being on the road for a wild card game ain't enough. There's too much risk there. For a change, they're chasing the easy path. Now, they're not there yet, but if they get there, they got a shot at doing something very special. I'm worried about the injuries, about Cam and Alualu. I'm worried that Ben was doing the Rodney Dangerfield thing with his arm late in the second half. Looked like he was a bit sore with the right elbow, but so far, it couldn't be better. And this team has resilience and guts. The Steelers haven't shown in a while. There's been a lot of games in their first seven they could have blown, would have blown, but haven't blown. And here they are, 7-0. and All right, Chris, your outlook. I mean, they're in a great position right now. Like Mark said, they're 7-0. They're atop the AFC. They're, they're being chased by the Chiefs, who they have some interesting games coming up. They still have to play the Buccaneers. The Steelers, their biggest game really left are the Bills and the Ravens, two teams that I, I mean, we, already just, we just saw them beat the Ravens in their house coming out of a bye week. But Mark's right. They're doing everything that they're supposed to do right now to finish games. Yes, not everything's perfect. Yes, there's some there's some plays missed. They could have done things better on offense here and better on defense here. But the bottom line is that even with players missing, when they were missing to Castro, they had a third string rookie Kevin Dotson fill in. With, with Bush gone, Spillane come in, led the team in tackles with a pick six. They're finding answers in many different ways, and that's the big thing, how you keep winning football. Tim. I'd add the Colts to that list, Chris, too, but – you know, my outlook is 10-0 going into Thanksgiving and then come ask me again about playing the Ravens depending on what those injuries are to the defensive front because if they hemorrhaged the yards that they did on the ground allowing the Ravens to rush at will many times over, particularly in the first half with Alu Alu to start and with Hayward for most of the game, 
Imagine what that's going to look like if those guys aren't available. So to Mark's point, uh, let's see how those injuries look before we crown them 11-0 and beating the Ravens automatically again when Baltimore comes back to Heinz Field. All right, a reminder, keep those comments coming. You can find us on Twitter at WPXI Final Word, on Facebook at The Final Word. Now it's time for five words. Give us five words on where this one ranks among Steelers-Ravens rivalry games. Let's go to social media first. Uh, from Twitter, always down to the wire. From Facebook, Steelers back to dominating the Ravens. And back to Twitter, Steelers got lucky yet again. Now, Mark, Chris, and Tim, five words where it ranks among the Steelers-Ravens rivalry games. Mark? It's among the most unusual. The Steelers got doubled up in yardage today. The Ravens had the ball for 35 minutes. The Ravens, I don't want to say should have won the game, but very easily could have, but they committed nine penalties. They made four turnovers. They did what the Steelers sometimes do against opponents they should beat. They lost stupid. They did stupid things. They made stupid plays. They took stupid penalties. It was a dead heat, but the Ravens' stupidity pushed it to the Steelers. Chris, five words. Around bottom of top 10, this was a very exciting game. It went down to the very last play, and that's great and all. But how many times have we seen these teams do that? There's way too many times to count. I'd put it somewhere maybe around eight or nine. Uh, but like Mark said, this is a very bizarre win. You know, the Ravens outgained the Steelers by a lot. Four crazy turnovers against the NFL's reigning MVP. A lot of great stuff there, but we've seen so many slobber knockers and playoff games. Who knows? This next one at Hinesfield might be even more exciting than this one. Tim, five words. Ask me again Thanksgiving night because I think that might that game might go even further towards determining the path for both of these teams and potentially the Steelers versus the Chiefs if they beat the Ravens again when it comes to that home field situation Mark brought up in the opening few moments of the show. Uh, this to me feels like potentially could be like a flip flop of what we saw in 2010 when the Ravens came to Heinz Field, won a really close game against Charlie Batch in the last game of Ben Roethlisberger's suspension. But then in the end, the Steelers ended up winning the division and going to the Super Bowl as a result uh, with a 12-4 mark. So I really do think that this might be a different story and a different vibe depending on how things go Thanksgiving night in one direction or the other. All right, Tim, Chris, and Mark, thank you. Still to come, which Steelers player has been the most clutch this season? Uh, we're going to talk about that next, but first, this from Twitter, T.J. Watt. He's at the center of every big play and momentum shift on defense. Back with more of the internationally acclaimed Final Word right after this. Welcome back. I'm Albie Oxenrider tonight with Mark Madden, Chris Carter, and Tim Benz. Tim, which Steelers player has been the most clutch so far this season? Well, I never would have thought about saying Juju until Mark put on the jerseys, but now maybe my uh, mind has changed. Clutch is kind of a weird way to describe this team since so often they've been a tale of two halves and sometimes they've won games in the first half. Today it was different. Uh, I'm going to go with Roethlisberger to answer that question directly just because I think when a team is 7-0 and and you've played as many close games as the Steelers have, you go with the quarterback. But if you're looking for best consistently seven weeks, four quarters per week, it's Watt. All right, let's go back to Twitter. Chase Claypool. He has turned into a total rising star. That's from uh, 
Somebody on Twitter. That's from Chris on Twitter, and we're going to Chris. I got a little confused there, but take it away, Chris. <laughs> I'm going with Stephon Tewitt. Six sacks in seven games. Impressive for any defensive lineman in the middle of the line. It's not named Aaron Donald. He's got he had eight coming into this week. Uh, but Stephon Tewitt continues to rise up in big moments. He sat, he got he got his sack on Lamar Jackson late in this game. He got he forced an intentional grounding that stopped the Titans drive in the second half in a key moment in the last game. He continues to find ways to help against the run, rush the passer, but also maintain the pocket he's he's you know he shouldn't be considered unsung but when there's so many playmakers like Watt like Ben like Juju like Claypool he kind of becomes that way so I'm going to give him my clutch in this in this in this situation all right Mark most clutch by the end of the season it'll be number 19 obviously <laughs> but right now you got to go with Ben Roethlisberger and he certainly played better probably needs to play better if I graded his play for the season so far it would be no better than a C plus but he makes every play he has to, and he knows how to win. If that's not the definition for clutch, it's pretty darn close. All right. Thank you for that. To the Pirates now for our next topic. Oh, there's a segue. <laughs> oh, Timmy, I'm sorry. Am I supposed to go to you next? <laughs> oh, no. No, I'm just no, saying no. you're going from 7-0 and 0 <laughs> to, to, to almost 0-60. I, I mean, thought that you is had a something segue. to add there. I'm sorry. But we will go back to you fast here. Buckos on our next topic. Chris Archer, they let him go. Meadows and Glassnow play in the World Series a couple weeks ago. Has there been any Pittsburgh pro sports trade that has been that bad? Uh, let's go to Chris. I mean, you could say not necessarily a trade, but letting John Unitas go, period, back in the 60s. But, I mean, this is just, you know, an, another representation of how bad the Pirates have been. You're in a situation where you're saying, hey, we're selling talent. We're selling off our older guys because we need to, you know, dump cap space. And what do you do? You get an older guy and give away two young guys that go on to become stars for a World Series contender. It's just, it's the joke that the Pirates have been for years now. We got to see if there's any hope they'll ever turn it around. But, yes, this is of the, of the most shameful that you could remember in recent sports history, recent Pittsburgh sports history. All right. Is it the worst ever? Well, this contributor says, Yarmir Yager trade was pretty brutal, but the Pens were about to go bankrupt. Well, nutting continues to bankrupt the fan base. That's Brian on Facebook. Now we're going back to Tim. Yeah, you know, I think Naslin, maybe if you're trying to draw a Penguins analogy, is more apropos because, you know, I think they were trying to make a hockey trade there and they fanned. That was a salary dump in the Yager situation. Uh, but from the Pirates' point of view, it's hard for me to digest that as being the worst pro sports trade ever in Pittsburgh because I still didn't have that much hope that the Pirates were going to become a World Series contender. Um, you know, I, I hate the return that they got for the guys that they gave up. I hate to see Glasnow develop in Tampa, but Glasnow wasn't going to develop here. Um, you know, the thing about that trade uh, that Pirates fans have to keep in mind, it could feel even worse if Baz eventually develops into something. Mark? Well, I remember when the radio station 1250 traded me for going out of business. That was a pretty bad trade. Uh, this Archer trade is indeed the worst trade in Pittsburgh sports history. But we should remember, at the time it was made, we were glad that the Pirates were going for it for a change. I know I was. It just didn't work out. I thought the Auger trade was terrible. Maybe the worst Penguin trade ever, though, was when Baz Bastine, the general manager, traded a first-round pick to Montreal for Rod Shutt thinking it was Steve Shutt. Steve <laughs> Shutt, the 60-goal scorer, as opposed to Rod Shutt, the minor leaguer. That's a pretty bad trade. 
Well, you know what? I would have preferred Archer the cartoon instead of Chris Archer. <laughs> that would have worked out better. Hey, that's a good cartoon. Danger it is. Old. <laughs> All right, we're going to stay with baseball after one of the most talked about and controversial decisions in World Series history. Mark, the decision to pull Blake Snell and the Rays World Series loss is still the talk of baseball. What should be the place of analytics in baseball? Because that's why he made that move. I never watch baseball, and I intended to watch game six from beginning to end. It's the first time I would have done so all season. And then when they pulled Snell after five and a third, when he had allowed two hits and to that point, no runs, I just lost interest in the game and started channel surfing. Baseball doesn't belong to the fans anymore. It belongs to analytics, and it belongs to the players with their OCD delay tactics. I'm just not interested. I don't know what the place is. They can make analytics the be-all and end-all, and it's certainly close to that. But as long as that's the case, I'm just not going to watch. And a lot of people agree with me. Lowest-rated World Series in MLB history. All right. Uh, back to social media. It is a tool to be used, but part of a set to help with situation in baseball. The problem is managers use it as the only one instead of trusting in their players to make plays. Uh, that's from Hot Rod. Chris, uh, your thought on analytics in baseball? There's two sides to this argument. One, you could say the Rays were doing their thing with analytics all season. It, it, it had worked every time. So technically you could say they stuck to their guns because that's the system they used. But as a manager, you got to look at the situation and say, look, I'd rather go down saying I believed in my guys because then even if you do lose in that situation, the whole locker room, the whole, the whole ball club can say, you know what? He believed in us. He gave us the chance. He gave our guy who was dealing the chance to finish the game for us. And he didn't go with that. And now you can, now that there's this question about analytics, you know, I'd rather go down saying I stuck with my guys than I stuck with the computer. Tim? Well, you used the analogy, Albie, about it being a tool. You got to grab the right tool out of the toolbox to complete the job. So if you're going to the analytics about Blake Snell the third time through the order, why does that matter more than what Mookie Betts is hitting against left-handers? And when does an analytic become a trend? Like going to a relief pitcher who's normally pretty good, but has been bad in the playoffs and has allowed an earned run in like, what was it, seven consecutive games or something like that, seven consecutive outings. So when do you apply analytics in the right scheme of getting to the end result like when does an analytic outweigh another analytic to make your decision because if you just say well it's about the numbers you can always use that as an excuse when it doesn't work out but you got to pick the right set of numbers all right yep they don't go with their gut anymore all right when we come back around the horn on any topic the final word is next on the final word Welcome back. It's time for the final word. Everybody gets a chance. And Tim Benz, you're first. Uh, right here on this set last week, I said I saw something in college football that I never thought I would see again. I hadn't seen before, and that was the quadruple doink missed field goal from Rice. It took one week before that was surpassed by the eight lateral play from Rutgers, which sadly then got overturned. But that was something on general principle that play needed to stand, particularly the fine work of number 71, the offensive lineman who threw the ball 20 yards backwards to keep it alive. They touched that football so many times I thought I was going to get flagged for a coronavirus violation. <laughs> Mark, final word. Ben Roethlisberger had a rough first half today. Four of 10 for 24 yards. Couldn't get anything going. 
Twitter vilified Ben at halftime. Some vile, disgusting things were said by an ungrateful fan base that's as stupid as it is overrated. And then who bailed you out? Who bailed this ungrateful town out in the second half? Ben Roethlisberger, that's who. He gave you a win you don't deserve. So take a good look at number seven, Pittsburgh, because whether you like it or don't like it, finally, learn to love it, because it's the best thing going today. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) I was starting to wonder when we get another one of those. Chris, final word. It's the, the thing about the Steelers' win streak right now is all the different ways they're finding ways to beat opponents. If an opponent takes away a Juju, they go to Claypool. If they take away Claypool, they go to Deontay. Ben Roethlisberger seeing the field better than I think he's ever seen it in his career as far as how efficient he is with the football. On the defensive side of the ball, you could contain the outside pass rush. They're getting heat up the middle. Even today, when the Ravens did the unthinkable and ran 265 yards on the, on the ground, the Steelers still found ways to force turnovers, get the job done, and in unlikely ways. Alex Highsmith with an interception. Robert Spillane with an interception. You had told me that coming to this game, I would have said you're drunk. But that shows when teams are very good, when they're finding all the different ways to win, and they're, and they're finding ways to stay undefeated in a tough season. For the record, I am drunk. I was just going to say, you say that like we aren't. <laughs> <laughs> Our final word now from social media. Why do I feel another big 2020 surprise? coming to sports. Anybody want to chime in on what that might mean? What's what's he predicting? The Bengals are going to beat the Steelers? What does that mean exactly? They're going to lose to Ben DiNucci? What's he mean? (laughs) Make sure you download the WPXI Now app and make sure you're with us every Wednesday night. Halftime adjustments at 7.30. Fantasy Football Insider sponsored by Cal U. Chris Carter, you ready for that? That's at 8 o'clock Wednesday night. That's the final word for tonight. I'm Albie Oxford. For Mark Madden, Chris Carter, and Tim Benz. Thanks for staying up late with us. We'll see you next time.